Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Labo, more like Lamo, is what we'd be saying if we didn't have such a good time with it. This is this is a confusing opening. No, it's perfect. No, I think it's, it, going it's, it's confusing. I'm sorry. I apologize. This doesn't. This, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't track, does it? It doesn't. It, it's fine. Lamo, You're fine. Lamo is like fine. ableist too. I'm not. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. You we, know, we both did this thing before we put our headphones on. What's that? Where we checked to make sure we were putting the right one on the right ear and the left one on the left ear. I don't think it would make any difference. Our, sto- our show is probably in stereo, but it's not like I'm coming out of the right speaker and you're coming out of the left. And even if it were, we're not hard that panning, it wouldn't matter. Right. We're not hard panning like the Beatles or anything. But even if, like, you were listening to the mm-hmm. Beatles, yeah, and you had your headphones in, but, like, oh, but it was around, just reversed. You wouldn't know. Do you think that there are recordings that you know well enough that you would notice if you were like wearing headphones backwards? I, I don't, I don't think I would. I think you're probably right. Like, obviously, there are some for me that I would know if like one of the channels was missing. Uh, there are a, a lot, obviously. There's like the balance is off on this. Where's the bass or whatever? Uh, where are the backing vocals? I usually pushed over to one side. Um, but yeah, I I would never know if I got the left and right reversed. Were you, are you familiar with great moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland? Uh, no. Is oh. that is that an extension of the Hall of Presidents? Uh, so the Hall of Presidents is an ex. Uh, Rather, a Hall of Presence is like an extension of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Oh, sure. So, so we, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln We've got a little bit of like a, a Cheers, uh, Frasier kind of scenario happening yes, here. Yes, exactly. Right, okay. um, That's exactly what this is. So there was a version of Great Moments with... Basically, you uh, go into a theater mm-hmm. and they do like a presentation about the... Kind of like the Civil War. And then at the end... A, an audio animatronic of Abraham Lincoln like stands up from a chair and like gives a speech. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, but there was a version of it in, I want to say, the early 2000s where they were, like, um, uh, trying to jazz it up for a new millennium. And so what? So they gave everybody... <laughs> Which is what Lincoln needs, of course. <laughs> so they gave everybody a set of, like, headphones before you went in. And they were um, ASMR or, like, something. Like, it was, it was very, like, crisp, like, distinct stereo sound oh sure and so as part of it it's like oh you're going you are a civil war soldier and you're going to get your portrait taken and so you go to this uh photography studio and they use the headphones to like give you a haircut and so it's like very that sounds horrifying so it was it was like locationally specific exactly where it's like you can hear like right by your ear and like they're like oh we're gonna push this to its full potential so the guy like leans in and whispers at one point anyways all this to say is they put so much money into it. It went away fair, you know, after a few years because it was, you know, like, what's the, not the point of the show? But right, also even just, if I had the headphones in backwards, I still don't think I would know. <laughs> it wouldn't matter because he'd just be cutting one side of the, my head instead of the other. Now, you brought up uh, ASMR. Uh-huh. Isn't that the, like, uh, the audio thing where it's, like, textures and sounds that are, like, kind of intriguing? And it's, like, 
people will tell you that like it's not sexual, but like you can kind of tell that it's like a little bit sexual. That's that that that's exactly what that's it exactly is. what that is. Uh-huh. Um, well, that sounds fascinating. I would love to go to this uh, sexual haircut. Uh, Abe Lincoln. You can't. They took it out. Well, I want to go. Uh, we have got a great show for you today. We're not just going to be talking about animatronic Abe Lincoln. We are going to be digging into the Nintendo Labo, Labo Vehicle Kit, which came out uh, last Friday. I picked it up. We put some of it together and played with it. Um, it's fun. But before we get dig into that, uh, Mark, we've got some emails to get to. Um, last week, why don't you explain what we did last week while I look up this email? Last week, of course, we finally r- rated the best Zelda NPC that's non playable character of all time. We determined it was the Happy Mask Salesman That's from right. Majora's Mask, definitively. And and we, yeah, I, I stand by that, of course, but I asked, hey, listeners, do you have a different thought? And some listeners had some different thoughts. So we got an email from Lizzie, and uh, the email goes, Hey guys, I just started listening to your show today. I respect the decision that you came to regarding the best Zelda NPC. Thank you, Lizzie. But I cannot believe that you left out Spinch and that horribly depressed stable boy from Breath of the Wild. My argument is such. This is what Spinch says every time you talk to him. And here's a quote from Breath of the Wild. Quote, Yeehaw! The name's Spinch. The horse's name is Spinch. They call us Spinches. Uh, uh, End quote. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Secondly, the depressed stable boy, whose name I can't remember or find right now, uh, he's so relatable. He has an adventuring spirit that his uh, station in life cannot grant him. What's up north? He'd like to know, but he can't get up there. Um, and then she goes on to say, anyway, the main reason I wrote is to formally ask you uh, to borrow your copy of Sonic Forces. Here's my address. Uh, she says, I know I'm not supposed to give out my address to strangers, so please don't kill me or send me something dangerous. I'm trusting you here. Uh, Lizzie, that trust is not uh, misplaced in this case. Uh, we will be sending you Sonic Forces in a little bit. I just sent it out today. <laughs> and also, Lizzie, you really have our number because we love broken characters, as you can tell from yes. like our whittling down of Zelda NPCs. So yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, which, which one? Which one of those is is your is your favorite pick? The stable uh, boy who I, wants to adventure, or I think, Spinch? I think the Spinch is a great name. <laughs> like that's uh, the, the name is so good that you have to name both the character and his horse Spinch. I mean, that's that's one of the more bizarre, like crazy. I'm sure I encountered this guy in Breath of the Wild. I don't know that I did. There are so <laughs> many characters. Like there are so many things in this game. I'm not sure that I talked to him. Yeah, or his horse. Um, I don't, the horses don't say much in that game. Um, well, Lizzie, thank you for, uh, for contributing to that. Um, Spinch and the depressed stable boy will go up as, uh, close, but not close enough runners up to, of course, the happy mask salesman, who is the definitive, uh, best Zelda NPC of all time. Uh, Lizzie mentioned my copy of Sonic Forces, which you too could get on a list to borrow. All you got to do is send me your address. I won't try to kill you or send you anything weird. Um, you can send that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And actually, while you're doing that, if you've got any kind of Nintendo thing that you want to discuss with us or prompt us with, um, we're game. We, uh, when we started this, I think we were both like, it'd be fun to have like a listener mail section. And some weeks are lighter than others, uh, and we don't always have people emailing us. But I love it when we do. Um, so we got an email from Adam who recently discovered our podcast listening on Spotify, um, which is great. Um, Adam brings up two things. Thing number one, 
a Nintendo memory that really uh, that really sticks out to me, which could be pure nostalgia as I haven't played uh, as I haven't played the N64 in a number of years, is playing Star Wars Shadows of the Empire on N64. Is this Star Wars canon or is it still any good? Why did they not make this into a movie? I have no idea. I know there was a novelization, but I don't know if it was any good. So this is a qu- this is a greater question about uh, Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. Adam, yeah, to answer your question, it was canon. Yes, it is no longer canon. It is now con- considered part of legacy. Star Wars legacy, legend, legend, legend. Yeah, which is where all like it's a giant farm where all the expanded uh, universe. When to live happily. Right. And some elements from that, those legend stories are showing They're up. They're picking and choosing what yes. they want. Uh, but until it is confirmed in, I, I would have to imagine, like, the first place we would see uh, Shadow stuff come back would be, like, in the Marvel comics. And to date, we have not met Dash Rendar in the Marvel comics. Which um, is criminal. It is criminal. And here's the thing. I read all those Star Wars comics. So, I look, when Dash Rendar shows up in a marvel comic i will announce it on this show apropos of nothing and adam you'll know i'm talking to you um was that game any good um adam asks or why did they never make a movie about it i mean they didn't make movies because they weren't making movies at that time. they weren't making movies at that time right um and no i don't think it was ever very good (laughs) i think the book was pretty good well Sure, I'd believe that. I never read it. Right. Books have been good before. Um, and uh, the, the game was clumsy. That camera was bad. The control was terrible. Um, there are so many other, like, good Star Wars games on, like, I, I, from that era for me, like the N64 and um, GameCube. You know, there's, like, the Rogue Squadron games. Even, like, the Episode One Racer is, like, those are cool games. And I, I don't think that uh, Shadow's really... It doesn't hold up that it, well, it, I don't think. It doesn't hold up. Um, so, yes, purely a nostalgia memory. And then here's, here's a question, <clears throat> Adam asks. Also, I'm looking for some advice on when to delete digital games. Is it simply if I beat the main story or get bored or when I 100% complete it with all the achievements, achievements are in quotes, and DLC completed? I'm finding it hard to let go, but you need to, del- need to delete something to put more games on my SD card on my 3DS. Mark, when do you delete a game off uh, a digital game off of your uh, consoles? When I'm bored with it. When you're bored so with it. So even if I haven't finished it or I haven't 100%ed it, especially because when you delete it, you can always get it back. And yeah. on the Switch, you know, they don't delete your save files. So that'll always be there as well. All you have to worry about is just like, oh, I have to take the time to re-download it if I ever want to replay it. But here's the thing. I don't really replay a ton of games. Yeah. And so the odds that I'm going to replay it are or that i'm ever going to play it again if i didn't love it the first time is very low so you're like a love it and leave it kind of kind of man right? i'm also yeah and i'm also like i just don't you're have, always looking for your next fix i don't have a lot of time to play games yeah and so the odds that i'm going to replay a game that i love instead of playing a new game that i haven't experienced before it's uh i'm always going to play that new game yeah that that makes sense to me um, and that is generally how I am too, unless I have the room. Um, my uh, 3DS has like a has just an absolutely enormous memory card for it. I had to do the thing where like you trick the 3DS into thinking that it's two separate memory cards because like it has too much memory. Um, and I have yet to come anywhere near filling the thing. 
and I've got so many games on the 3DS. At this point, I it's almost like a challenge <laughs> that like someday I will fill up the 3DS with games and have to delete something. Um, but I really love being in a position where I'm just like, no, I don't have to delete anything. And this tiny thing in my pocket has like 100 games on it. It's amazing. Um, but it, like uh, for me, it's been harder on like PlayStation, um, on my PlayStation 4, because that thing can really only hold like four uh, like AAA games before it's like, no, 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 you need to start deleting stuff. Um, and for me, it's like a type of game, right? Like Batman Arkham Knight, when I'm done with Arkham Knight, I'm done with Arkham Knight. I never need to play it again. Street Fighter V, even if I'm going to go through months of not playing it, I may want to pick it up like at the drop of a hat and just like get back into it. Totally. So on my Switch, you know, I still have Mario Kart yeah. downloaded. I still have Breath of the Wild downloaded, Odyssey, you know, like those games that to me are kind of just like evergreens. Yeah. They will sit on my console because I know someday I'm going to want to return to Breath of the Wild. I know I'm going to want to go back to Odyssey, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are things like uh, I was thinking about how you and I recently uh, replayed um, the Ocarina of Time uh, 3DS remake. And if I were not even if I were like hurting for space, but if I were just more conscious about space on my 3DS, that's one that I would delete, even though I know I'll probably go back and pick it up again. Like it doesn't take really that much time to download a new game uh, on, on the 3DS, even an enormous one like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there are very few games that I play, I think that really take an absurdly long time to download. So like I'll err on the side of deleting stuff, but again, not on my 3ds because that thing is, I want to fill it someday. I will. Uh, thank you, Adam, for your email. Uh, it was, that was, I think we, I think we solved both of his problems. I think so too. And if you ever want us to solve any of your problems, all you got to do is email us Nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com. All right, Mark, we need to talk about the Nintendo switch, uh, labo kit. Number three, the vehicle kit. Okay, so the headline for me here is Labo Remains Fun. Yeah, for uh, sure. It, uh, we, we got together on Saturday. Um, we called our friend Richie Root, previous guest on the show, who helped us determine the best Smash character of all time. I don't think you're going to... No, wait. I, for, I forgot who won now. Who won? Can, we, we, should we not spoil uh, it? Yeah, we won't spoil it. You should go back and listen. Patrick. Y yeah. To learn. I should go back and listen. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't remember. <laughs> we yeah, should, right. and maybe with Ultimate coming out, we'll need to revisit this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but in any event, that information is out there. If you want to look it up, I think it was someone. <laughs> I, I remember who it was. You remember who it was? Mm -hmm. I remember Richie was repping the Jigglypuff really hard. Jigglypuff made it far. Jigglypuff made it far, but I don't believe he... Well, no spoilers. You can check that out. Richie came over <laughs> to put together Labo with us. Um, and so the vehicle kit is uh, a little bit different from... The, the only other experience that we have with Labo, right, is working on the variety pack. Um, and Mark, you and I put some of those together. I put some of those together with uh, my girlfriend's, par <coughs> girlfriend's parents. And, um, you know, it's always like a kind of fun, crafty, good time. Um, but this, uh, it feels different because all of the pieces of this thing uh, work together, right? Yeah, it's also a little bit different because especially with the variety kit, it walks you into... It's like getting into a hot tub. 
you ease yes. yourself into like the difficulty of Labo, mm-hmm. whereas, or at least you know, like the intricacy of it. Whereas with the vehicle kit, there is a little bit of that, but pretty much you're off to the races almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we did just straight up reject the part where it was like, now we're going to make a Joy-Con holder. And we were like, nope, we've done this. <laughs> um, but if you don't have any experience with Labo, um, it is obviously a big uh, a couple of sheets of cardboard that are all like easily punched out. And it's high quality cardboard, like it's sturdy. And the, uh, the perforation is all um, really obvious and really clean. It cuts very nice, not even cuts, it just punches out really nice and it folds and creases really nicely as well. Um, and then there are on-screen instructions to help you fold it um, with interesting little bits of copy in there that will make you chuckle if you read them. This is something that I think we missed out on last time um, that we were putting these things together, that we were just sort of following the visual instructions. And, uh, you know, because the, the visual instructions are very clear and like you can, you can do, you can figure these things out without really reading. Um, but Richie made a point of reading just about every word that was on the screen. And let me tell you, those uh, Nintendo localizers, uh, those the boys and girls in the treehouse, uh, write some goofy things in here. Right, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it captures that like Nintendo spirit um, of just, hey, we're just having a good time. You yeah. Know, like, this isn't that, this isn't serious. We're all just hanging out, folding like cardboard, like booping and bopping cardboard. Yeah, it says booping a lot. It, it, it will, if, if something sort of looks like, uh, you know, a hand, it, it'll refer to it as a hand and as like fingers or like, and then, and then the robot gives it a hug and we're like, okay. Um, so it's, it's, I like that it's uh, like kind of colorful and, and light with its language. Um, makes the whole thing uh, feel less like uh, a chore of putting something together and more like, yeah, like you said, just having a fun time. So we built the like the key fob because you have to. Yep. We built the pedal and we built the steering wheel. Yeah. So those are uh, the <clears throat> the key fob is the the first thing that it makes you do, and then the the pedal is the second. And the pedal is obviously something that you manipulate with your foot. I guess pedipulate. Is that right? <laughs> uh that you you use your foot on it and i was worried at first that like we were going to uh ruin this thing with our mighty man feet oh yeah like immediately because uh it's just cardboard yeah to, so you're to like reiterate it is just cardboard um but it's uh shockingly sturdy um so uh in the time that we spent uh both building it and playing with it later again with our feet um no one crushed it and like the rubber bands are still yeah. springy and everything one thing I did really notice, especially coming from coming from the variety kit to the vehicle kit, is like the intricacy of Labo seems to just like in has increased from that release to this one because the piano is intricate and when you build the piano from the variety kit, you're like, this is awesome. And the way that they figured out how to do this is incredible. And then you just build the steering wheel and you're like, oh, this is on a whole nother level. Right. So I I I have not actually played with the robot kit, but that's what I imagine the robot kit is like too, because when you like open up that backpack, you can see that there are all of these like inner workings. Um, And that is totally the case with the steering wheel, which we have on the table here um, in in front of us. Um, But like, I'm I'm just going to pull the front off of it and we can see all of these like different mechanisms on the inside of the thing that, um, you know, end up controlling these little like levers in the back of it. And there's like a, a little pull cord that you can do for like a, a, a boost. 
And I guess those are really the only two things, right? I guess that's it. All of the, the levers on the back have like uh, little knobs as well. Um, and the knobs have like a little bit of resistance to them, uh, which is again, just another piece of cardboard working against another piece of cardboard to like make sound and, and, and resistance. Yeah, even after, you know, like having experienced the variety kit, seeing the steering wheel come together was still as spectacular as it was the first time where you're just starting with these flat pieces of cardboard. Yes. <laughs> you're just folding them, just following the instructions pretty blindly. And then as like the pieces come together, you're like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. The amount of like thought and engineering and playtesting that must have gone on to have this work at all is incredible. Yeah, let alone work as well as it does. Because, um, so, you know, the, like I said, we, we did, uh, we made the steering wheel here. There are two more uh, like little kits to build the little constructions. One is a like flight stick and another one is a weird little box that controls a submarine. No one knows how a submarine is controlled. Don't pretend that you do. Um, but so those are like two uh, two constructions that are still out there that I feel weirdly compelled to like go back and, and finish. Well, part of the reason I think that you're compelled and part of the reason like I'm feeling a little bit of that as well is we really dug into the game that comes with this yeah. a lot more than we than we played with any of the software and like the variety kit and you know the way that the game works for the vehicle kit is it's like an open world and yeah. well it it is it should be noted that this is one game for all the pieces of the vehicle kit. yeah that's right so it's an open world and of course since we started with the car we were driving around in the car i imagine if you started with the plane you'd be uh experiencing the world in the plane or the submarine as well but you know, you get into the car, there's a little bit of a tutorial, you're driving around, and then you realize, oh, there is, like, a lot to do in this world. There are different terrains, different, um, like, weather, uh, what are, like, Different climates. environments. Yeah, yeah, like, different, like, environments, and different, like, little missions or puzzles for you to solve, and not all of them seemingly can be solved with the car. Yeah, I mean, we tried for a long time to try and get the car on top of that bullseye target thing, but we cannot. We, I'm almost certain we have to fly onto it. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. It presents this uh, not enormous, but like a fairly large uh, world that is, um, you know, populated by really simplistic uh, kind of 3D graphics that are still pretty. Like the game is still very pretty, um, and uh, there are animals that they look like those. You know when you would go to the zoo in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and you could get like wax, like sculptures of animals from those machines that would like print them right there. Mm -hmm. That's what the all of the animals in this game look like. Um, and you know sometimes you you have to like, uh, you know, bring four cows back to their uh, pasture or whatever, or like scare five scorpions, which just involves like driving up to them and like interacting with them in, in some way. Um, but like. It's all very simple stuff that the game asks you to do, but each area is different, um, and each one has, you know, like eight or ten different tasks for you to do in each of those areas, and you can approach it with whatever combination of vehicles you want. Um, I don't know, it, it was uh, like amazing to me how, like, compelling this game actually is. Yeah, and then on top of that, using the stuff that you built to control it 
um, also feels gratifying in a very like distinct way that I've never felt outside of playing a game with Labo. Yeah, I mean, when when you're turning the wheel that you folded together just a couple hours before um, to steer the car, and you're like, oh, I, I did this, I made this, and now I'm making the game do this. It's all... It, remarkably satisfying and just like with the pedal initially you're like oh i kind of have to be really careful with this yeah you know because it's cardboard and i don't want to break it and again i'm sure if you were like flinging it around and throwing it against the walls that you could do some damage but pretty quickly you just like <laughs> true for- of most things really <laughs> and pretty soon you just for you forget you know that like uh that it's cardboard you forget yeah. that you had just constructed it like it feels fine when you're playing it like it feels good when you're playing it yeah absolutely and i mean i don't it's i just i just like how much um like the transition from um building to using it all feels like one sort of holistic thing you're excited about the thing you just built because you're going to use it to play and you're excited about playing because you just built the thing like the the synergy there is is so complete and so unique yeah even even though these kits are only coming out like five months apart Mm-hmm. This really feels to me like the second generation of Labo. Like the vehicle kit feels so much more mature to me as like a package than yeah. the variety kit did. And not not in like a mature in like an adult's kind of way. Right. Not that like this is for adults and the variety kit was for kids. It's all for kids. <laughs> um, but that like it does feel like this is a uh, a more complete execution of what Labo is capable of. Um, I mean, just in the uh in the steering wheel thing alone we've got all these different um rubber bands going against each other we've got the ir camera reading a bunch of different reflective tape inside the steering wheel so it knows when you're pulling levers and when you're twisting things and you know when you're uh pulling the reverse lever like all of these things are all being done just by the thing the ir camera reading the positioning on reflective tape which is all just remarkable and seems like sorcery to me um mark when are we going to build these last two i don't know but i would love to soon because i really do want to get back into the game and see (laughs) what that open world is like when you're in the plane yeah like we haven't been underwater at all i know (laughs) what's it like when you're in the submarine i mean it's uh, yes yes exactly and I, i i love that there is a part of this game like the game that we've been playing that is locked behind building something you know um and maybe maybe that is a uh, not as novel of a thing as I like think it is. Like maybe, maybe like this is part of the hook, hooks of like Lego Dimensions or you know other other games where you have to build and then uh, play with what you've built. Um, but for me, it still feels very novel and very cool, and uh, I'm I'm excited to keep doing it. Um, one thing that I was going to mention to you earlier about the uh, the vehicle kit is that I feel less inclined to decorate these. Um, the, uh, original, um, variety pack of, of Labo, you know, I, I took to the, the little rem- remote control car we made with, uh, you know, stickers and markers and had a fun time, a stencil. Uh, I did all kinds of crazy things to it. Um, but this thing took us so long to put together that I kind of just like, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it in any way. They, they look very like good on their own yes my worry about like decorating any anything like this is that i'm going to make it look worse right and then it'll be like irreversible 
Right. So we need some sort of like clear plan before we start decorating. Otherwise, there's going to be stars on one side of it. And then, I don't know, I'll, I'll draw Chewbacca on it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Chewbacca, so maybe that's an improvement. Um, yeah, I, I really like this thing a lot. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's 70 bucks, which, you know, I guess is that, that's a lot. It's more than the regular game. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think there's a substitute for the kind of fun that it offers. And also, I, this is another thing that maybe we should point out is that there were four of us, right? You, me, Richie, and Sarah all putting this together. And it is a perfect activity for three or four people working together. Yeah, I've never done Labo as like a uh, solo experience. Okay, so that sounds sad, right? Yeah, I just don't... Th- uh, I. I think it could be fun, yeah. but I have really enjoyed experiencing it as like a social thing. Yeah, and I don't think, I, I know a lot of people have been approaching these as like, oh, that would be a fun thing to do with kids, and I'm sure that that's true, um, but it is also just a fun thing to do with friends. Like, if you want to take a board game night and turn it into a Labo night, like, that is, I think, I think that is a perfect thing to do. Yeah, ex- totally. But I think that, you know, it's like doing a puzzle. There are yeah. some people who enjoy just like the quiet, um, you know, like uh, thought. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but, you know, just like There's the more quiet like med- activity. Yeah. yeah, meditative like aspect of putting something together. And I can see totally how Labo would fit that as well. Yeah. So it's a puzzle. It's a board game. It's a video game. It's construction. It's not really creative. It's not because you don't have free reign, but I feel like it's creative in the sense that you still get the same sense of, or I get the same sense of, gra- of like, I feel gratification. Yeah, like you completed something. Yeah. Yeah, that you wouldn't get from, like, beating a level or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. and you're seeing, you are putting something together um from nothing yeah and so in that way i get the same sort of like gratification i get from when i write something and you're like before it was nonsense and now it's just like a little better structured nonsense (laughs) (laughs) just like this podcast um mark we were talking about uh what we might want to see out of future labo kits before we started rolling here and you had a good idea well i mean you've got this pedal here and to me it's just crying out for a music labo kit. Yeah. How it works? I have no clue. No, it's not on you to decide how that works. It's on the Wizards at Nintendo to uh, you know, figure out how to make an IR camera read tiny positioning changes in reflective tapes. I mean, you already have a piano. I do we do already have the piano from the piano kit. Yeah, I mean it would or from the variety kit. Um it would be cool if they put out like a, a drum set kit. Although I am certain that we would break that, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know how that would work, but I would love to find out. Yeah, what do you think about, uh, I think we have tossed around these ideas before, but like integration with other um, like Nintendo games or Nintendo franchises? Well, the vehicle kit is, or at least the steering wheel, is compatible with uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So we tried to test this. So that's uh, right. So we built this on Saturday, mm-hmm. and the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, like patch that makes it compatible comes out on the came out on the 19th. So, uh, so it came out on Wednesday. That's right. Got it. Okay, so we are recording this from the confines of Tuesday, so... <laughs> we haven't had a chance to play it. We haven't it. had a chance to play Test it, yeah. it out yet. Um, but yeah, that, that's exciting. I, I know that the, um, the motorcycle one had also been patched for, uh, for Mario Kart, 
but like I absolutely want to use the steering wheel and the uh, pedal to play Mario Kart. I I mean it, the the controller just like feels good. Yeah, I think it hands. would be really fun, and I usually you know think that uh, crazy controllers for Mario Kart. And by that, I mean motion controls blow. So crazy. <laughs> but I would love to try it out with the Labo steering wheel. Also, I want to drive around Hyrule it, uh, on Link's motorcycle. Oh, they should definitely patch. They never will. But they never will. They, they should definitely patch that in. I think it's so funny, just that while we're on the topic of the Master Cycle Zero, um, that that thing is like a part of Zelda lore now that has like extended outside into uh, Mario Kart. Um, and I will probably see it in Smash. Um, but it is something that you need to beat the main, like beat all the so much and DLC, and then you finally get access to a motorcycle that you drive around Hyrule for like five minutes, and then you're like, oh yeah, I don't have anything else to do. Um, it just it's just so weird that it's like such a late game thing, but has like cultural relevance for some reason. Yeah, in some way, I almost find it like perfect that that's how it works. It's like if you get all 999 Korok seeds and you don't really get anything for it. No, you just get a little poop. You get a gold poop and that's it. All right. Well, that's, those are our thoughts on the Nintendo Labo uh, vehicle kit. Uh, it also sort of makes me want to go back and check out the robot kit. Um, but that is one where I feel like the uh, being an adult is going to hamper my ability to enjoy actually playing it. I also think that, like... I'm big. Yeah, but I also think that, like, the software is really the selling point of that. And sure. if the software isn't very compelling, then you've just built a backpack. Yeah, that's that's true, and, like, a visor. Um, and I've not heard many people say that the software to that is compelling. I will... This is me going out here and saying that the software for the vehicle kit is compelling. It, Definitely, like, the most compelling Labo totally. software that we've seen. I mean, it's no GTA Five, but it's an interesting open world where you get to drive vehicles around. So maybe it's like GTA Five. When's GTA Five coming to the Switch? It's not, but you got Labo. But if it did, it should have Labo compatibility. That, yes. Rockstar, get on it. Um, all right, Mark, let's close out this. Those are our experiences with the uh, with Nintendo Labo, but we would love to know how uh, y'all are enjoying it. If you are playing with it at all, do you have kids? Are you playing it with kids? Are you using it as a substitute for board game night? Uh, is there a third scenario that I have not anticipated? Uh, please write into us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, uh, and let us know. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or however you share podcasts with people you know. Um, tell them about it, uh, whisper it to them, write it on a note, fold it four times, put it in their shirt pocket. Take them to Disneyland, have them watch Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, and then say, hey, I once listened to a Nintendo podcast that referenced not this version of the show, but a, a since-closed version of this show. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Uh, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening.